This is the Press Box. It's like, I still feel like, oh, wow, Dad, why? Oh, I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. With Grady and Bischoff. I'm pushing these buttons, but it's the same conversation. Yeah, that's fine. I'll actually tell <laughs> I was you about something. To say, is Tyler talking? On ESPN Las Vegas. Gooch is back. <laughs> Ed Grady's out at the Super Bowl. We will hear from Ed Grady later today as he'll join us from Radio Row. Uh, but I have important news for you, Gooch. Please. Do you remember my fake chickens? Yes, I do. Uh, we should be having some fake chicken races here very soon. Oh, wow. I'm sure the sporting public is riveted. They are. This knowledge. They are riveted for yes. fake chicken racing. Mm. It's going to be very exciting. Mm. We've mm. got mm. some We've got some winning chickens. We've got one really good chicken. Very excited about Chicken 407. Oh, we chicken. should probably name it sometime soon. Yeah. Is that is that pretty much what we're doing with the chickens now? They have no soul. They have nothing. You're just a number. Yeah, because we can sell the chickens to other people, and they presumably have more value if you sell them now, when you say Without 407, name. is this your 407th chicken that it you've was got? The, no, no. It was the 407th chicken that was created by oh. the creators of the game. Okay. So, no, oh. we don't have 407 chickens. How many chickens do you have again? 37. Wow. That's still a lot. And yeah. how much a pop? Eh, it varies depending on when you bought them and how good they are. Right. And how yeah. good they are. Right. How do you know if you got yourself a good chicken? Well, is it, the, does it time will tell? Is that one of those things? Well, yeah, like 407's racing very well. But they'll, they all have, like, traits that you can sort of take an educated guess on which ones will be better or worse. Right, okay, like like personality traits like, on these chickens. Like blood type, and they have, like, a perfection score, yeah. Okay, so what's the difference between a good chicken and a bad chicken? What do you mean? Well, I mean, I'm not trying to. It's not, I know it sounds like I'm trying to make a joke, you know what I mean? But, like, <laughs> seriously, hey. The higher the perfection score, the better. Okay, I know. But what goes into a chicken being perfect? Like, just the look? Are we talking like, is it, is it, is it kind of like how they judge dogs at the Westminster Dog no, Show? No, no, no. It's all about the racing ability. Okay. Yeah. It's all auto-generated by the computer that made the fake chicken. So you look at the chicken's legs and you go, look at the torque on those thighs. I think it probably gets. I wish movie. we could do the Mike Mayock bubble butts thing. Yes. But I don't think chickens have bubble butts. We need to get a static screen. I want to look at some of these video chickens and I want to see exactly what makes them superior to the other chickens. You'll get to watch some. Yeah. I'll show you some. Oh, I can't don't, wait. Don't be worried. Listen You'll get to this enthusiasm races. in my voice. I cannot wait. Oh, <laughs> please. More digital chicken races. All right. Let's go, Kira. Showtime. We got real sports. The to talk first about. bite. Chicken fights. Yeah, chicken's more important than the Super Bowl. Is Derek Carr better than Matt Stafford? Give me a hot take to start Oof. the show. I'm going to say no. I do not think so. I it's think Matt Stafford. Take. Yeah, I know. Exactly. I think Matt Stafford's been a fantastic quarterback considering who he's played with. And I don't know. Derek Carr, I do think is a very good quarterback, but he's not Matt Stafford. I think Matt Stafford has always hovered around. Top five, top six. What? Yeah. And then God, we, I'm just saying. What did you say yesterday? Mike Evans was the best receiver in the NFL. Look at who threw to him throughout his, oh, the majority of his career. Then all of a sudden he gets a good quarterback that he wins a Super Bowl. I mean, come on. I, I, I have to say Mike Evans. And then he's the only reason why Johnny Manziel was a first round pick. The only reason was because Mike Evans was bailing him out. Yes. Go back to the quarterbacks. You think so? You think Stafford is significantly better than Derek Carr? I'm not going to say significantly. You just said he's top five, six. I, but Where's I also Carr? think I think top. I think Derek Carr is probably in the top ten. Am I going to make you list your top ten quarterbacks right now? I think the top. Okay, I think after the top three, you have 
there is just an area where you could go like top four all the way to 12, and you're not going to have that much of a discrepancy between the quarterbacks. I think it's more nine to 15 or something like that than four to 12. So you see, so you, see, you think that there's, as far as like elite quarterbacks, what do you think is your elite? There's like two, two elite quarterbacks. Two elite quarterbacks. Because Brady retired. Rodgers and Mahomes. You don't think Josh Allen? You, I know you've been yeah. dogging him, but I mean, after what he did. He's in the second tier. Okay. But so, like, then you have... Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, maybe Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson. I would take Josh. And, and by the way, I've now counted higher than five, and Matt Stafford is not anywhere near those. Guys. I would take I would take Stafford over Lamar Jackson. I would take Stafford over um, who was the other one you said? Burrow, Herbert. I would over Herbert, not Burrow. God, you got bad takes. Mm. Herbert's better than both of them. My takes are hot, but scolding hot on your tongue. So even though you're wrong. <laughs> To me, there's a group of quarterbacks here. Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, Matt Stafford, Ryan Tannehill. Those are all kind of the same guy to me. See, I look at Kirk Cousins as almost the bar, as what a good quarterback, as a quarterback you can win with compared to like an elite quarterback. That's like the bar. Right, and Derek Carr is Kirk Cousins, right? Yes, and In that I think Stafford is the same as those guys. And I think uh, Tannehill, I think all those guys are kind of the same level of quarterback that they're top half quarterbacks, like they're good quarterbacks, but they're not, you're never going to win the Super Bowl because of those guys, right? You can win the Super Bowl with those guys, but those like, they're not Patrick Mahomes in a bad defense to the Super Bowl, right? They're not doing what Brady did. They're not doing even like just regular season, what Aaron Rodgers does, right? They're good quarterbacks, but you're not winning the Super Bowl because of them. And so my question is basically even though you think Stafford's like top six, something over there, but seeing the Rams with Stafford in the Super Bowl, does that give you reason to believe that the Raiders can make it with Derek Carr? Are the Raiders going to be able to get like two of the top five defensive players in football on their side of the bar? Are they going to have like an Odell Beckham Jr. land in their lap like the Rams did this they year? They could get Odell. I mean, next year, yeah, for sure. I, do you see something like that happening? No, and and that's that's the problem for the Raiders because how – the Rams are in the Super Bowl, and the Rams had a good regular season, right? Even though they kind of blew it in the last week and ruined their seating, but they're still here. Because their roster is so good, and because they sort of went all in when it came to trading for players, right? They haven't drafted in the first round in, what, three years now and don't have another one for another three seasons? Like, they don't care about draft picks at the moment. Their roster's really good. And so if you're the Raiders, the way you make the Super Bowl is by building a roster about as good as what the Rams have around Derek Carr, right? You have to have a good roster around Carr. He's not taking a bad... You, you can have, like, maybe one hole on the entire roster for, to go to the Super Bowl with Derek Carr. I think it's the same thing with Matt Stafford, and we saw that. He spent his entire career in Detroit, and what did he have? Two playoff games that he lost both of them, right? Because the Lions were bad. They never really put a great roster top to bottom around Matt Stafford. They're, he's not good enough to fill a, fill a bunch of holes. Carr's the same guy. So the Raiders' path to a Super Bowl with Derek Carr is having a great roster around him. Now, if you go through the roster, that means they've got to fix the offensive line. That means they need a good wide receiver to go with Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. Defensively, they've got a lot of free agents in the defensive tackle spot this year. They've got a big hole at cornerback because Casey Hayward is gone, and we'll see what they do at linebacker. But defensively, they need, like you said, probably two stars, right? And so... That, to me, is where the problem is for the Raiders when you look at Derek Carr is, yes, you you can win with Derek Carr, 
But the Raiders have a long way to go to make their roster as good as what the Rams are to actually win with Derek Carr. Well, when I looked at the Rams at the beginning of the year, I thought they were going to be the NFC representative. I really believed that Stafford was that much of an upgrade over Jared Goff. And I do believe the proof is in the pudding right there. You look at what the Raiders are doing. You look at what the Rams are doing. The Raiders are not able to take two players that are going to turn it around, much like Odell and Von Miller coming to that team. And it's not like those guys coming to the team turned everything around. There were still some gelling issues as well. It's not like the Rams were a powerhouse as soon as they got those guys. They had to work those guys into the system. The Raiders are so far off of that, though. So to say that Derek Carr, now if you put Derek Carr on the Rams, would they get far? I think they would probably get past at least maybe the first round of the playoffs. I think they're the same. I think they're the same team. If Carr's on the Rams, I think I, I think you could have put Derek Carr, Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins, Matt Stafford on the Rams this year. They're the same team. See, I I, I disagree. I I think Matt Stafford, um, he's an alpha. I think out of all those guys that you mentioned, I think Matt Stafford is a is an alpha quarterback, and he can alpha put the quarterback. He, well, he's the, you. I, I'm just saying he can put the team <laughs> on his back and cover up the holes that you were mentioning. Like I. I, we've seen him. He didn't do it in Detroit for like a decade. He, well, he got him to the playoffs two times. You name another quarterback that could have done that. Derek Carr. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, he, he did I, it with the Raiders, who are basically the Lions of, of the West Coast. But my, but I still believe though, the, 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 the last two years with COVID and players not being able to play, and there's been so many things. It's like the last two years. I re, it's so hard to look at a team and know who's amazing when you're not like the top three three or four teams in the league, you know, outside of top five, it's such a gray area. Even the, even the, the Cincinnati Bengals, they weren't even supposed to make it this far. They were supposed to, they were, they were supposed to beat the Raiders. That's what we thought, but they weren't supposed to beat the Titans. They sure in the hell weren't supposed to beat the chiefs and look at them now. It's like, you just, I don't know. It's so, it's so confusing. (laughs) Like, like being able to know that a player is going to be amazing on a certain team. There's just too many variables. And I just look at Stafford He's got the legs. He's definitely the arm. Carr's got the arm, but I just think that Stafford can lead. He could put a team on his back, and the Lions gave him nothing outside of Megatron for years. So let me ask you the actual, like, big-picture question on the Raiders. Do you extend Derek Carr? Because you only extend him. He's got one year left for $19 million. Presumably, he wants an extension this offseason, right? If the Raiders are keeping him, they're presumably extending him. Do you get him for $19 million? Or do you get him for thirty-five well, million? You get ninety. He plays for ninety million next year, but you give him an extension, and in twenty twenty-three, you're paying him thirty-five million or whatever that number comes out to be. Do you extend him? And the answer to that question is: Do you think you can win a Super Bowl with him? Can you build the roster around him like the Rams did? And I, I think both of us are agreeing: the Raiders can't really do that. No, no. Like they, like they're going to have to hit on pretty much every top draft pick and three or four free agents in the next two off seasons, and it's possible, but they've got to basically be perfect to have a chance, which makes it seem like, yeah, you probably shouldn't sign Derek Carr to an extension then. Well, when the Raiders took that huge gamble and they had those bad seasons and they had all those first round picks, got rid of Khalil Mack, totally clean house and thought they could turn the team around with some of the guys that they got. And really there's only one major factor that they drafted I mean, maybe two if you want to count Josh Jacobs, but I still think that any running back in that system would have done well, uh, is Henry Ruggs. And then when he went down, the offense 
took a major dip. So that was like the only first round pick that the Raiders. I, I, I don't even say they hit on. No, it's just was, that he was fine. He was fine. He but, wasn't Cleveland Furl. Jonathan Abram can't get on the field. Right, right. Yeah. So it's like he played and he and he contributed to the team, and then obviously we 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 know what happened there. But that was the only draft pick out of those two or three years that was a real threat that the Raiders made. So obviously you have to draft better. You have to be able to hit. You can't reach on an Alex Leatherwood and think that that's going to pan out like the Raiders did. Yeah, they they traded away two of their best players in Cleo Mack and Amari Cooper, got a bunch of first-round picks, and whiffed on all of it. And I also look at some of the teams that the Raiders played, and they got lucky. They got the benefit of the doubt. Like, COVID wiped out the Browns when they played the Raiders. Uh, what do you mean? They got to play their best quarterback, right. Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins coming to the rescue. And, the Raiders uh, were won by four touchdowns if Baker had Right. Oh, my God. He's so bad. But <laughs> – uh, I can't. It's, uh, that's another animal altogether. But it, it to me though, the Raiders just kind of benefited with all the crap that's going on in sports right now, and I don't think they're going to be able to do or recreate that next year. Like kind of back their way into the playoffs like they did this year, limp their way into the playoffs like they did this like they did last year. I don't. I don't see that happening. So if you if that's not even a possibility, I think you have to trade Derek Carr. See what you could get for him. I still think you could get a first round pick from some teams. Just just like you were saying. I mean, Matt Stafford, you think Matt Stafford and Derek Carr are essentially the same player? Well, the Rams gave up a boatload to get yeah. Stafford over Goff. Maybe they could trade him for Kirk Cousins. I would just straight lateral move. <laughs> All right. Coming up next, we'll jump into the NBA. The trade deadline is tomorrow. Is James Harden going anywhere? We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Who never eats on game day? Uh, Cooper Cup. Oh, <laughs> his dad doesn't eat on game days? No, he's probably nervous. Yeah. Watching your son go out there. See, Tyler has no heart. So... <laughs> Are you about to yeah. tell me what it's like to have kids? Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming that if you had kids and you watched them play uh, and a vicious game like football, it would just be straight up, no emotion whatsoever. You know, no, I'd be pretty pumped. Yeah, really? We talked about this yesterday. We think that you'll be the dad that's like, you can do better. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, if yeah. he's like, in the NFL, I'm gonna be pretty excited. You could, well, yeah, of course, you're gonna be excited. <laughs> but you could still be like, you can do better. No, you didn't get that touchdown. No, oh my once gosh. He, no, once he signs the first NFL contract, nope, I'm supportive. Nothing, all good. Yeah, that, once you know he what? Gets to the NFL. That's good. <laughs> you know what? That is good. So, you it's so if you had kids and you just showed them nothing but negative reinforcement and built them into this NFL powerhouse. Then when they get drafted, that's when you finally hug them. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Right on. Yeah. I like that. And that's, I'd be excited. That's how we build a perfect race. Is that what you're trying to say? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just don't hug your kids until they finally succeed and they're deep until, into their twenties. Until they are in the top 1% <laughs> of what they do. <laughs> There will be no affection. None. You better succeed. Uh-huh. But I don't understand not eating. Well, yeah. Well, Nervous. He's Nerves. not playing. Well, that's so? the thing. You see, because he loves his son. No, he doesn't. <laughs> okay. It doesn't sound like it. Yeah. All right. He's so nervous. He, he doesn't want to watch his son if you can't eat on days. That he doesn't want to watch his son get his brain smashed in. He's like, he's, yeah, like, he's a little Cup worried. He doesn't get his brain smashed in. He, he doesn't? Be, if my son was as good as Cooper Cup. Yeah. I'd be eating everything. I'd be the least nervous person in the building. Like, right. He's great. It's still his son. Even, yeah. even if excited. he has a little nerve. Nah. It's excited. just. 
How do you not get it? Be eating chicken wings or something. Man. I'm always nauseous, though, so I can't really. So I, you're you're the way you sports are exciting. They're not supposed to be nerve wracking beforehand. But you, treat, I could understand like during the game. Oh, he doesn't eat during the game because he's nervous watching. But he said on game day. That means like the, the if the Rams play on Sunday night football, this man wakes up at seven a.m. and doesn't eat breakfast and doesn't eat anything. He's worried. He about goes his the kid. entire day not well, eating because his son's going to play in ten hours. Well, keep in mind, ridiculous. He lives on the West Coast, so I mean, if he gets up at, I mean, he'll be done. The game's over on the West Coast. They're done by, like, what, 4? So he'll probably have a sandwich by 5 p.m. That's ridiculous. Why? It's bad for your health. Oh, okay. you got to wake up and eat. You right. can't just go hungry all day because your son's playing in a week 14 game against the Jags. I never I never actually – the things that you're concerned about, parents' eating habits when they have – Here's my main point. Athletes as kids. My main Cooper point here is Cooper liar. Cup's a liar. His dad eats on okay. – there's no way his dad doesn't eat on game day. I don't believe it. Well, with that beer, do you think that maybe not only does his dad eat on game day, but he crushes a beer before 10 a.m. against his forehead, I would hope. Like, let it roll. Several Bloody Marys before 10 a.m. See, that's that's the kind of parent I'm talking that's about. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, a nice fight with mom right before the <laughs> kickoff. I hate you. I hate you, too. Oh. Yeah, Cooper Cup had to play well to save his parents' marriage. That's, That's what it is. Got to motivate him exactly. somehow or another. Mm-hmm. Put a yeah. chip on the shoulder. Uh huh. How, you know, whatever happened to your parents? It's not your fault, Cooper. You're like, no, I dropped that pass. Oh, you're right. You suck. Beat it. <laughs> Parenting advice mm-hmm. on the press box All from right. people that have no kids. All right. NBA question for you here. James Harden. You think he's getting traded? Yes. Trade deadline is tomorrow. Yes, I. James Harden to me has been without question, the most overrated superstar over the past few years and hot takes coming in. You don't think so? Like as soon as the refs start swallowing their whistles, like they should have been doing for years, all of a sudden he, he, he's not getting this calls and it's getting into his head. I remember when they were trying to say that James Harden had the the Mamba mentality. I'm like, that guy gets shook so easily. I think you just made a straw, man. I don't think anybody ever said he had Mamba mentality. Yeah, they did. I think Kobe was the one that said James Harden's, oh, he's got that Mamba. I think there was like a story where Kobe was the one saying that James Harden was going to be the next guy, but he doesn't have that Kobe in him. I feel like Kobe's the one that gets to bestow that honor. He said it to a player (laughs) who said it during an interview. That's all I know. So... You would trade him if you were the Nets. Yeah. You would give up on basically the chance of winning a title this year. I think you would trade him. I think you would trade him this year and just 100% build around Kevin Durant. And because you're trading James Harden, you can find some serious pieces that could play next to Kevin Durant and, and really still be one of the top teams in the East. Who's better than James Harden that they can get around Kevin Durant? I mean, who's looking to trade? Ben Simmons is the name. Oh. Like, that's the trade here okay. is the 76ers sending oh Ben Simmons and maybe some other players. But you're talking Seth Curry, right? You're not talking, yeah. you know, like in Joel Embiid, right? right? That's you're talking about Ben Simmons. There's he, not there's not another like if they trade him at the deadline, the best player they're getting back is Ben Simmons. And that's what I'm getting at. It's like you would have to trade James Harden to another team who has a superstar that's tired of being on that team and then may just be, make this disgruntled swap right. and. Ben Simmons is the only trade target out there or the only thing that's of some significance who I don't think Ben Simmons is worth anything in the NBA right now. I think he has totally crushed any, 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 any 
positive viewing of Ben Simmons is squashed right now. Like, why would you bring that to, bring that guy to a team? Because so, he's not in Phil anymore. Well. I don't. I wouldn't have a problem adding Ben Simmons to a team. The problem with Ben Simmons is his contract is so big, and he's got to be your probably your third best player to actually win something. And he and there's a pro, and he's. I don't even think he's the third best player on Philly. I mean, it's like he just well, wasn't doing anything. He's, he's, well, he's not playing. Yeah, he's, he's but, literally not doing right, anything. Right. Right. But <laughs> but when you look at that roster, though, I mean, is, does anybody blow you? Does does is he blowing anybody off that off that roster? Any blow any anybody off that? That if he if he plays to his top end potential, he's to, the second best player on that team. Even uh, Tyrese Maxey scoring like eighteen a game, having a breakout season. There's like, a lot of guys that have top end potential, and sometimes they put it Simmons together and they it. give us. Like, We've oh. seen Simmons play well. He just you know had a horrific playoff last year where he stopped shooting, hit a jumper, <laughs> dude. Yeah. No, I if in all seriousness, if I if I traded for Ben Simmons, I wouldn't. I just like don't shoot. Right. And the thing with the Nets is Kevin Durant, and if Kyrie Irving is able to play in more than half the games at some point in his career again, they need the, like those two guys can handle the ball enough. You don't need another ball handler, right? Ben Simmons can be the third best player on that team and only touch the ball when it's time to dunk, right? And play good defense. The problem is, is I don't think that's a better team than what they would have with James Harden. Like Harden, Durant, and Kyrie, I think give them a better chance win the title. However, you're only getting half Kyrie at the moment. Kevin Durant's hurt. They're not in a great spot. The Nets aren't. And James, if they're fully healthy and fully able to play with Kyrie, I think they've got a great chance to win the NBA title, but I don't know if that's happening. Yeah, I, I've never been a big believer in James Harden. I just There's something about the playoffs where, again, when the refs start swallowing their whistles and he doesn't get those calls that he thinks he should be getting, it gets to him and it flusters him and he's just not as dominant as he used to be. Yeah, he got screwed in the playoffs by the refs. In all honesty, like it's like you, you, they've changed the rules this year and it's like, okay, now he doesn't get the calls. But prior to this season, all the stuff James Harden did was late. Like that was, it was, it was supposed to draw fouls and they kind of stopped calling into the playoffs. Like he kind of got screwed because he basically exploited loopholes of what is and is not a foul to get a bunch of free throws. And then they get to the playoffs and they're like, yeah, we're not going to call it the same as the regular season. But, screwed. but isn't that the playoffs every single season? Don't, sure. Yeah. yeah the but, playoffs get way more chippy during sure. the play, you know, than compared to the regular season. So this is nothing new. Right. But he still got screwed. You could say that. Yeah. But so if did I, every if I other know, player. Like, so did every other player that's no, playing on that court because because no, Harden because okay. Because Harden was using those loopholes to get right. more points. So when right. Which is what we love that in sports. Do we love loopholes? Right. I if a hate team, If a team could recover every onside kick, they would do it, wouldn't they? Absolutely. If they could recover 75% of onside kicks, they would do it. That would be some sort of weird loophole, and I would love it. But they would get rid of that loophole of 75% uh, yes. of onside yes, kicks. But not in the playoffs. They wouldn't just start in the playoffs and say, we're changing the rules right now so you can't recover onside kicks. You're right. Which is what which is what would happen to James Harden. He would draw a bunch of fouls, get a bunch of free throws, which is what you want in the NBA, and then they get to the playoffs and he wouldn't get as many free throws because of it. And they had the what, 0 for 26 stretch against the Warriors when they should have actually beaten the Warriors in a playoff series, but one of the best shooting teams in the league that year decided we're not gonna make a three for like two and a half straight quarters. Yeah, and they were what was it? They were down or they were up oh, three. Three they were up three games to one over the Warriors and they blew it. And because James Harden couldn't hit anything because or anybody was, on that team, the, yeah. the game they blew it when they went over 26 in a row for three, it was the entire team just, yeah, we're not shooting today. And that's why NBA it's like, if they're not hitting 
because again, the game is so centered around the three-point shot. And if there's a team that's not hitting, it's almost unbearable to watch when they go over 26. Unbearable. Unbearable. Listen. All right, coming up next. For the first time this week, we'll hear from Ed Graney. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Yesterday, Ed Graney and Adam Hill from Cofield and Company caught up with Colleen Wolf from the NFL Network. Here's their conversation. Back here, ESPN Las Vegas, live at Radio Row, the Super Bowl in Los Angeles. Colleen Wolf sits down with us. You can see her on NFL Network. Follow her on Twitter at Colleen Wolf. How you doing? I'm great. I'm better now that I'm sitting here with you guys. Well, that's not open with a fib. <laughs> um, it's great to see you guys. Uh, what a week it is. And it's nice to actually have some sort of radio row this year. Because yeah. I was in Tampa last year, and it sort of, in a way, felt like a fake Super Bowl because yeah. there were just so many things were different from years past. Well, I want to get uh, that's a good a good thing to bring up and start with because we are here at Radio Row. We describe it from our perspective as you know, your media also, but you're somebody who everybody wants on their shows. You walk around here and people are like, hey, come on this show, come on this show. So we talk about it from our perspective of trying to get guests. What is it like to walk around where you're like, hey, can you come on here? Can you come on here? Everybody's trying to vie for your attention. It's nuts here. It's, you know, it's hard being popular. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. No, That's what I wanted. It's, yes. It's, a, it's really fun, and it is just a crazy week and a crazy event, but we all know going into it what it's going to be, and it's sort of waiting for Super Bowl week to hit is sort of like waiting for a tsunami. Like, I know yes. that it's coming, and I can see the wave, yes. and it's about to crash, but you kind of just got to soak it in. And having not had this last year, I'm so much happier to be here this year. I, I, it's just, it's great to see you guys in person and sit down and look at your faces and actually like talk to you guys face to face. Well, it's just about cresting now. Yeah. It's not at the top. It's uh -huh. not at the top. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, then it yeah. just crashes down. Exactly. And it crashes. It crashes yeah. hard. Big time. <laughs> you you mentioned last year in the and now as we deal with the virtuals, I mean, how tough has it been? How tough has it been to tell the narrative? story the last few years comparative to other years whether it's virtuals whether like you said you're walking around last year there's nobody there I mean it's taxing I'm sure trying to get your message out well especially last year because so much of what Super Bowl week is is the spectacle of it and the people right. that are there and the fans and the buzz and the stories and the picture that you paint it's like color commentary but mm -hmm. you know it's at the Super Bowl and we just didn't have that last year and so it was really difficult especially because with journalists not allowed in the locker rooms and, right. and not being able to have that same access it is really difficult to do this job mm -hmm. so it's been a lot better as things loosen up as things get a little bit easier in terms of access to get the message out and to to get the stories that we really want to hear because for me I'm all about the the human interest side of things right. I want to get to know these players like I, I want to know what makes them tick about their families about them personally and so we really only get that when we have that access follow on Twitter at Colleen Wolf and uh, don't forget NFL Network's NFL game day final Sunday after the game that's a great place to check out recap everything that goes on uh, on Sunday from SoFi we are here in Los Angeles I'm interested in your thoughts on the Super Bowl, when it goes to most towns, like I was in Jacksonville and in Houston, oof, and, oof. and and I'm sorry I, to hear that. My hometown of Detroit. I was say, can we oh, my you're just getting worse and Come worse. On. My goodness, but, but the throwing to Miami. Are you okay? I'm okay. I'm good. Listen, uh, slow down. Oh slow down, Philly. Uh, it's not. It's not <laughs> okay. Take right. it easy. If it was in Philly, it would yeah. be gorgeous. Sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, like, when it goes, it takes over a city. But this is LA. Mm -hmm. 
like it doesn't take over LA. I don't think. I mean, what is, what is the rest of this week going to look like compared to other cities? When hey, look, there's celebrities all the time. It's not like these people are standing out like they are ev- everywhere else. I guess you know, in other cities, the celebrities have to travel to the Super Bowl, and now the Super Bowl has traveled sure. to the celebrities. But it is so true because every other year, San Francisco, for instance, or Atlanta. It's almost like I'm not even sure what city I'm in because <laughs> right, the Super right. Bowl transforms it to the point where it doesn't even really look like itself. Yeah. It, it looks like a completely different city. It's like football city, like, you know, <laughs> USA. And this city is just so different than other cities because it's so spread out and right. it's not a traditional walkable city where you can go from like one place to the other. And that's kind of the challenge, I think, with with this year's Super Bowl because you have some stuff downtown. And uh, you know what? I know that your your listeners really want to hear about traffic, right? Like that's uh, <laughs> that's uh, they what they have that Well, Vegas people Vegas. are Vegas people are is just North LA. Yes. It, right. It's it's we they understand they get it. We talk about traffic almost every day. Though the Super Bowl in Vegas would be amazing. That is don't worry. Two years. That's, that's yeah. why Two I years. cannot wait for that. That's actually why I asked about LA because I want to trans transition to Vegas. Like. That is going to be crazy. But did you ever imagine your, in your wildest dreams getting into, into this sport and covering NFL and being on NFL Network that you'd be covering a Super Bowl in Vegas one day? Absolutely not, especially <laughs> with the NFL when, like, you couldn't even really mention Vegas without, <laughs> like, maybe getting Gambling. a side-eye yeah. look. Yeah. yeah. So now to have the Pro Bowl there, and I'm so excited about the draft being there. That's going to be so much yeah. fun. I'll be on stage with Michael Irvin uh, at some point during the draft. And, like, to be on stage with Michael Irvin in Las Vegas for the NFL draft, like, that sentence in and of itself is just Crazy. wild. be cool to have you at the Bellagio Fountains. You know, the yes. NHL did their skills contest. They got those guys out there, like, taking face-offs at the Bellagio Fountains. That's amazing. That I want a cool. boat. Like, yeah, you want a boat? <laughs> yes. You want to be taken to the fountains in a boat uh-huh. and sit up there with Mike Lerman. Yes, right. that, that, that would be perfect. Players are going to jump. Whoever whoever gets drafted is going to, Has jump. to jump in. They're going to jump in the fountain. You're yes. not you're not going, are you? You're not going to follow. How shallow is the fountain? Uh, it's There's only some like, like drunk this... people have jumped in there. Yeah. So I don't I don't know if we can I don't ask think them. they got fully immer- they didn't yeah. get fully immersed though. No, it's going to no, be crazy. It's going to be weird. I, I would listen. I would am a yes in? and person, so if there okay. is a scenario right. where I have to build with someone, then I, I'm not going to shut it down. <laughs> Sounds I like a promise. No. Sounds yeah. like a promise. <laughs> Something to watch for, uh, for sure. Uh, well, but what about this week? We got Joe Burrow. We got you know Midwestern guy, but with the swag. Then Matt Stafford is like an LA guy, but he's not. Like it seems right. kind of a weird uh, dichotomy here. I love this matchup, and I love these two quarterbacks in it because it's like every year it feels like it's Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or, like, you know, just the the typical quarterback that you would have playing in the Super Bowl. And it's the same. I'm just so happy that there's fresh storylines sure. and fresh faces. Yeah. But Joe Burrow, I mean, talk about fresh faces. The fact that he is just, what, a year removed from, like, knee reconstruction. Yeah. This, this team – what, they won two games before drafting Joe Burrow, and then they won four. Four uh, last year. Four last year. And what, he had, it was ACL, MCL, I think like partial tears in the PCL. All the the L's were just gone. (laughs) He was taking a lot of L's. And so it is, it's so amazing to watch this team 
grow and, and just be so competitive and to beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead. Like, that that was crazy. And then to watch Matthew Stafford basically send Tom Brady into retirement in that game in Tampa Bay where yeah. he just rose to the occasion under so much pressure with that, that pass to Cooper Cup at the end before they spiked the ball to win it, that, that route for the love of the game. I know everyone has heard it by now, but it was – it was a moment where I think it was a seminal moment for Matthew Stafford in his career because I think there were so many people that doubted him and didn't think that maybe he had what it took when he was in Detroit because of the team that was around him and everything else. And in that moment, I think that he kind of he, – he went to another level. Really. Do, you, do you think a lot of teams can do what the Rams did and go all in? First-round picks are so precious to teams. They value them so much. But the Rams have thrown caution to the wind, and not just this year. I think it's been building for a few years. People forget that. They just say it's this year. But how many teams, teams do you think would absolutely be willing to do that? Well, I think especially if the Rams Well, if they win, maybe winning, they will. Yeah. Then <laughs> maybe that does change some things. Like Les Snead, he hates first-round picks. He's yeah. like, forget it. I don't need them. And I think it's a really interesting strategy because – you don't know who's going to hit and who's going to be a miss in the draft. We've seen plenty of first-round busts. Sure. And you just, you just don't know as a GM. And the problem is you need to have and you need to be with an organization that has patience and that has trust. And that is like the patience part of it is really rare in the NFL. And if you are a, a GM that ends up mortgaging your entire future and then you end up losing it all, then you're in a better lot of work. trouble. It yeah. better work. Yeah. <laughs> at, at Colleen Wolf, follow up on Twitter, uh, NFL Network. NFL game day final Sunday coming up after the Super Bowl. I want to get back to Joe Burrow for a second because I thought it was very interesting. Everybody's talking about the swag, the sunglasses, the jewelry. Was that it, a mink Cody hat on? He, he no, beautiful. it was <laughs> look, Looks good on him. Yeah, no, looks good oh, on so you, though. It sounds Did like, I have one? No. <laughs> no, come on. You've, he's got the leather coat that's ridiculous. I do have a leather coat. It's awful. Leather is leather, very Is it still in? Yes. It is? Yeah, you're good. Uh, you it's are It's very old. I feel very weird in it. It doesn't work for him. No, it does it not. Uh but I, I wonder, because Jamar Chase yesterday kind of threw some cold water. He's like, nah, he's really not that swag. He gave him a seven on oh. the swag meter and didn't include him in the five swaggiest players on the Bengals, which was interesting. Are we with Jamar Chase or are we all in on Joe Burrow's swag? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm <laughs> completely all in on Joe Burrow because I think that he gets extra swag points because he doesn't try. Like, it, it feels like it just kind of comes naturally to him and he doesn't care about it. And that, to me, feels cooler than anything else. And sometimes, like, not having swag kind of equals swag in a weird way. Uh, so I think that's like where Joe Burrow kind of is right now, well, yeah. and also Jamar Chase is like the one guy that can get under Joe sure. Burrow's I was gonna skin. Say, yeah, sure, they know the each one. other so well; sure. they're such good friends, and I feel like that was just Jamar Chase's way of like trying to poke him. I don't know who it, I, I, it does. Listen, most people complain about Media Day every year, and they're you know it's the old stodgy Media Day is just a bunch of dumb questions. I miss it. I think it's awesome. The opening we, night? We got it virtual oh, yeah. yesterday. Mm -hmm. We got it virtual. It wasn't the same. Eh, there wasn't, wasn't the people the in the costumes and the silliness. No. But there was a guy, I will say, that asked. he asked Chase, and then he went on and jumped on the Burrow Zoom. I credit to him. I have no idea who it is. Good for him because he went to Burrow and said, hey, Jamar's trashing your swag. And Burrow's like, we're going to have to talk about yeah. this off the air. We're going to do that. Do you miss it. that? 
Yeah. The, lu- the lunacy of opening night. It's, I kind of missed that. The costumes, the nut, the nutcases you know, running around. It is convenient to be like, ugh, this is yes. like eye roll, yes. whatever. Yes. Just like, come on, let's get to the real stuff. Yes. Like, you know, this is just a waste of time. And then when it's taken away from you, you're like, but wait a second. Yes. Like, what happened to the guy with the tambourine? Like, <laughs> that's he's a, not here. Yeah. And that's a lazy narrative. We had one again this week, the lazy narrative where – when uh, Alvin Kamara gets in trouble after the Pro Bowl, well, it happened in Vegas. Well, you should have never put a team in Vegas. Like, you can get in trouble in Des Moines. Anyway. No, I mean, well, you know, no offense to Des Moines if you're listening. Wow, the Des Moines shade. I didn't think there was going to be shots at Des Moines today. Exactly. But no, so that was the first narrative that came out. Well, you know, I mean, it's because it's Vegas. Like, come on, you can get in trouble anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's silly. I did want to throw one thing out about, because I did mention Philly earlier. I see a lot of people that get very worked up about you know, attacks on social media and they're getting hatred. Listen, I get it every day. I deal with it. I think it's it's crazy, but I know other people get it much worse. I feel like you, I think you spent time at WIP. I did. That was my first job in sports. I did. Uh, I, I grew up a little bit in the Philly area. Uh, I know what it's like there. What I feel like, I feel, no, no. Uh, I feel like that prepares people better to deal with things on social media, being in the Philly market, because I, I see you on social media. I don't think you get bothered by it. Uh, but I feel like that is a good preparation for the world. There was no better training ground for <laughs> Twitter. not only this job, but life in general, and especially Twitter. Right. Just being in Philadelphia in general, I mean, if you you can't mess up, you can't get a name wrong, you can't get, I mean, people are there ready to roast you. That's what they do professionally. That's what they do professionally. They and just sit on there and wait. Exactly. And so that trained me and kind of got me ready for this world of media and I think that if I wasn't kind of, if I didn't start working at WIP and I wasn't in the Philadelphia market that maybe I wouldn't be here today I, I often talk about the obsession that WIP got with Smarty Jones and then people that turned on Smarty Jones it's one of my favorite media stories of all time it's fantastic uh, but it was also it was great time it talking awesome. to you today we really appreciate it go uh, Philly what is co- what yes yeah what else is coming up on NFL Network this week I'm sure it's going to be wall-to-wall coverage here in LA wall-to-wall coverage Super Bowl live check us out I'll be on Good Morning Football Weekend on Saturday. Of course, game day final. There's like 71 people on game day morning before the game. Sure. So it's it's all hands on deck, and we will have every angle covered literally. Yep. There you go. Great stuff. Colleen Wolf, as Thanks, always, we Colleen. appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. Thank you. We're back to the press box with Graney and Bischoff. On Friday, I'll be out of PT's Pub, Tropicana, and Maryland. UNLV takes on Boise State. We've got a watch party out there. So come on, watch UNLV and Boise State. You have a shot to win beer for a year from Miller Lite. Uh, staycation at the Stratosphere. Plus, we'll have a lot of giveaways to give out that night. Uh, we gave out tickets to go see the Black Crows last time. Mm, hard to handle. I like it. I don't know anything about the Black Crows. They're good. They wear bell bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> but last night, UNLV blew out Air Force 78 to 44. Redemption. I, I don't get, I do not understand this. They lost to Air Force 69-62 last month and I do not know how they lost that game, especially after watching these two teams play again. Like UNLV destroyed Air Force last night. It was non-competitive for the last 30 minutes of that game. Do you think UNLV's worse? Was this one of those games where it was like UNLV's worst display and Air Force's best display or do you think UNLV's worst display was so bad that UNO, that Air Force's just okay could beat him out. Yeah, kind of. I mean, I think Air Force probably played 
I think it had, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I watched the whole game when they lost, and I still don't understand what happened. I do not know how they lost that team. Air Force is not good. They're not good at basketball. And somehow UNLV went to Air Force and lost by seven. I, I don't understand it. The not look of incredulousness is just written all over it. your because, face. Yeah, they beat them 78-44 to 44 yesterday. It was non-competitive for more than half of that game. But I will say this. Yesterday, you said when UNLV does play Air Force, you flat out said it. they should be able to easily handle them. And yes. they did. So what I'm saying is, is two, two games ago, they just put out just straight diarrhea. That's what they did. <laughs> and now all of a sudden, they come out and they leave a hole intact. Never mind. So here's the... Here's the... Uh, <laughs> what? Here's the issue for UNLV. Their defense ranges from great to bad every other game almost, it seems like. So their last game before last night was against Utah State. I know I told you the stat yesterday. They allowed 1.48 points per possession. It's the most they allowed this season. It's the fourth most they've allowed in the last two decades of UNLV basketball. One of the worst defensive games in program history. Last night, they allowed 0.77 points per possession which is the second best of the entire season. Like they basically went from one of the all-time worst defensive games they've had to one of their best of the season. Doesn't make any sense. They are it wildly inconsistent on defense and that's usually not an area teams are wildly inconsistent. Normally good defensive teams are good defensive teams every game. But UNLV is half of the time a really good defensive team. The other half yeah, they kind of suck on that end. Let me tell you what's upsetting. Um, I had my hot take, and I was going to use the words wildly inconsistent, and I thought I was going to come off sounding oh. just oh, beaming, and you took that I stole it from, from me. You, you took I it right it. away from me. But So that's like when you're trying to figure out like what this UNLV team is going to be because ultimately they're not going to the NCAA tournament unless they win the Mountain West tournament. So not to say these games don't matter, but it's going to come down to what do they do in the Mountain West tournament. And if we're trying to figure out how do they win the Mountain West tournament, they're going to have to win four games in four days to do so. And if you told me that UNLV gets four straight games of their best defense that we've seen, and we've seen it five, six, seven, eight times this year. Like, we've seen it it's more than just once. We've seen them do this a handful of times. If you tell me they're going to get that four straight days, I absolutely believe UNLV can win the Mountain West Tournament. The problem is, is I don't believe they're going to do it four straight times. They'll do it once and then be awful the next game, and they'll lose and get eliminated, right? Like, I... They like UNLV's top end. They can probably beat anybody in this conference and win the Mountain West. The problem is, is I don't think they reach their top end four straight days. I just they haven't shown that they can do that more than a couple times in a row. When UNLV reaches its top end, is it clear to you that they're the best team in the Mountain no, West? No, 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 not at all. They just can beat the best teams in the Mountain West. Mm. Their their top end makes them competitive with like the Mountain West. The Mountain West might actually end up, they've got five teams right now that could legitimately make the NCAA tournament. They'll probably end up with three or four at the end of the day because somebody's going to like lose to UNLV twice and that's going to be considered a bad loss. But like the Mountain West has five legitimate NCAA tournament contending teams. When UNLV plays at its best, it's, it's that good. Like it's UNLV's best is an NCAA tournament level team that can beat those teams. The problem is, is, you know, Boise State and Wyoming have ripped off like nine and one Mountain West records because they're able to do that. They play at that level every single night. UNLV plays that level about half the time. What do you think the issue is with the consistency? They're just not good enough. Yeah. Like it's, it's, I mean, 
they're not good enough overall. And thanks, Dad. I can't. Yeah, exactly. I can't figure out the defensive end though. Like the offensive end, a lot of it has to do with shooting. They've had. They have really good. They have. They have some good shooters, but they don't really have great shooters on the team. And so they have games like last night. They hit fifty-eight percent of their threes, which is ridiculous. It's ridiculous, but. They can do that every now and then, but they don't do that every time. A lot of times they shoot 28% from three. The offensive end, I I understand. That's kind of normal. It's the defensive end. I can't figure out why they're so inconsistent on defense because normally teams that are good defensively are good defensively every single game. They don't have many outliers where they're bad defensively. And this team does. It's very strange. And that's the strength of the team is the defense. Supposed to be. Half the time it is. Half the time it's the worst part of the team.